This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to A Real Man Wood Podcast. This is Chris Liss, your host from Rotowire, and I'm joined as usual by my co-host from Yahoo Sports, Dalton Del Don. What's going on, man? Uh, not a whole lot last week. Actually, it's been a, a couple weeks, maybe a lot more on your end. But before we get to that, uh, I, um, I was at, went to spring training. I actually made the flight uh, to Arizona this time. I was really worried about it. Uh, Andy Barron's actually did deal with like a six-hour delay, of course. Um, and during that trip, Scott Pianowski and myself got uh, kind of lost the wrong way in a two-hour lift ride to the wrong actual ballpark uh, and making some, some people wait on us. But other than that... Ate some really great barbecue, Little Miss barbecue. Had some fun shooting videos, uh, doing that. But uh, that's all I got for, for my 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 brief uh, for our during the two weeks we were off. But you, I think you've been doing a lot, right? You went to New York and in the states and three different drafts and all kinds of stuff, right, Liz? Yeah, I went to New York. I had a, a nine a.m. Tower Wars draft, so I got there at eight thirty in the morning. That was done at two. Then I had to kill four hours in between. It was pretty crazy because at some point Deutsch came up to me and he was like, hey, do you have 15 minutes to do a segment with uh, Ron and Todd Zola, Ron Chandler and Todd Zola about Lar Michaels, who passed away, as obviously you know. It's like a Lar Michaels uh, prize. Part of the criteria for the prize is being a positive uh, influence on everybody. And I knew I wasn't going to win it at that point when they uh, announced that. They just wanted people to talk about it. And Matt asked me to come on for 15 minutes. I was like, sure, I'll do that. And then, so we're getting set up on XM, like the three of us, and the headphones, like somehow, like they weren't plugged into the right place, or so, some reason, like we weren't being heard. And so it was kind of rushed, and I, and finally, like mine started working, and Rob Tuesday was just like, "Go," and I was like, "Wait, I'm hosting this segment? Like I had no idea, you know, I had no idea what we were talking about, except vaguely about Lar and Steve Moyer." And it was like, I think it was okay. I think it went okay. But imagine that. Like, you're just, if I was like, Dalton, yeah, just come on to talk about this. And you're like, sure. I, you know, I knew Laura pretty well. And you know, obviously Ron and Todd knew me even better than I did. Like, I'll talk with them about, it. you know, something like you're forced to make up a, I was just sort of like, welcome to 2019 Tower. You know, I just, I, yeah. I know. Yeah, it's tough given any subject or whatever is thrown at you. But yeah, you want like a serious subject too. It was yeah, a serious subject. Yeah. It wasn't like some, you know, joking around thing. And, uh, I mean, although, you know, Lar and Moyer, I mean, those are two of the guys you could definitely goof with uh, sure. some of the most. Sure. But anyway, it was, I mean, it, I think it was fine. And, you know, Ron and Todd were easygoing. But it's just, I just was like, holy shit, I'm hosting this segment? No one told me that. You know, it's a big difference between hosting it and just being a guest on it. Yeah. Well, last time I said hi to Matt Deutsch, I think it's because I've lost so much weight. He didn't even say hi to me. At the, he didn't recognize me at the FSTA uh, thing. So you can give him a hard time for that. So. No, he recognizes you. He just he just doesn't he just doesn't respect you. He doesn't like. Yeah, he's just big time me. No, he big time me. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, no, no. I know. I know that's the case because he gave a double. He said he he, he gave me a double take. He's like he, he said that. So actually, uh, no. Uh, okay, I see. He didn't recognize you for the a second is what you're saying. And then he said right. Then he did correct. say hello. Correct. Yeah. Uh, it would have been a better story the other way around. 
So uh, anyway, I had to kill like four hours because it was four hours to my NFBC auction at 6 p.m. And I just in the lobby, I ran into Nando DeFino, Adam Ronis, and Jake Seeley. And I basically just said, whatever you guys are doing, I'm, I'm going along with you. And so then we went out to the Korean place, got some food and beers. And then like finally, 6 p.m., my NFBC auction starts. And that ends around 10.30 at night. And the New York subways are a disaster now. Like, I couldn't get home from the subway, so I had, took it, like, halfway and couldn't get me to my stop, so I had to get out, take a cab anyway. Got home at, like, 11.30. So I, I got to the hotel at 8.30 in the morning, got home at 11.30 at night. So it was a, it was a pretty long day. It was, uh, it was pretty good. I drafted my tout team, dominated that, obviously, if you see the results, and also dra- uh, did an NFBC auction, which, of course, I dominated as well. And then I have you done back. one of those before? Have you done an NFBC no, auction? No, I've never before? done an NFBC auction, ever. Yeah, me neither. And that was in, obviously in person. Was everyone in person then? In person, yeah. It was fun. It was good. Yeah, so obviously, yeah that must have been fun. Cool, yeah. I've never done, I've never done one of those. I style. actually paid my own money. Fun. We get you know, comped a lot of these leagues because we give them a lot of promotion. Um, but that one I actually shelled out for because I knew you know St. Patrick's Day night in New York. I mean, it was the eve of, but that was the night everyone was going out for it. And I knew it was going to be a shit show. Like, I didn't want to go to some bar right. and meet people so decided to spend saturday night auctioning a team and Schuler's splitting with me he's running the the moves during the year so i'm kind of excited for that that was fun and then and then i had to get back there the next morning by 9 a.m for the main event draft so that was from 9 to 2 or 9 to 1 30 whatever it was and then got on a plane to portugal that evening got back in at eight in the morning and uh was back doing the radio show at you know <laughs> for XM, so it was a, definitely a, a busy weekend. I wrote all three columns on the flight uh, because I knew I can't sleep on planes very well. And when we got into right. Lisbon, there's like an, you know you got to go through immigration, and yeah, you know, sometimes you're lucky. You just like there's no one there. You go through the line. It's like five minutes. It, you know, at worst, it's like an hour and a half. Like you'll be in a terrible line. This one was about seventy five rows of people beyond the hour and a half point the worst that I've ever had. This was even 10 times worse. Oh. And when we got there, I was like, you know, we've been all night on a flight and I've been this, barely sleeping like this whole weekend and the sleeping arrangements weren't great in New York. And I'm like, just walking openly being like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is bullshit. Like, why are we tolerating this? How is this an acceptable... I'm just openly cursing, you know, in the line, like just out loud being like, how is this a tolerable state of affairs? Like, is this... This is not... You can't make people wait in this kind of line. It's, you know, after an all-night flight, this is fucking ridiculous. I was just openly you know disparaging the whole situation so we're in it for like half an hour and we're like dude this is going to be just brutal and sasha's actually behaving incredibly well for under the certain way better than i was and all of a sudden this uh, immigration official comes over and says uh, how old is she and i said seven and she said come with us and they sent us to the european line which was empty because i guess they started just pulling kids out of the line because they knew it was like ridiculous Huge. so i was like sasha's the mvp of the family like that's just yeah, you know, that's she, she got us in oh man and then we're home. Yeah, that'd be like, miserable at any time, but especially at the end of a trip, you had to be, oh, would have been miserable. And plus, like, you know, we had mostly carry-ons and they were heavy. It was a trip to New York. You know, I had like oh, 50 wow. pounds hanging from my shoulders, you know? I, didn't, I don't have like a roller bag like Heather does. I was like, it was, it was very brutal. And then, uh, yeah, and then we were home and then immediately got home. All three of us just passed out to like 2.30 right away. Yeah, you haven't been to the States in a while and you're not going to be back for a while either, right? No, I'm going to be back in June uh, for the FSTA. So I just booked my flight for that. Oh, you are going to be. Okay. Yeah, I think the problem with Lisbon, it's getting really trendy. Like everyone's, like a lot of people are coming out to visit. Like Pete's coming next week. Andre is coming in like mid-April. 
some of Heather's friends are coming. Everybody's coming to Lisbon. It's just become a trendy travel destination. And the airport and the size of the city is just not made for the scale of the amount of people coming. And so this was like spring break, I guess, you know, so it was like people just crushing oh, it. And I just booked my flight round trip to New York and like I couldn't do the dates I wanted exactly because I'd extend my stay because it was like more than a thousand euros for the flight. And I was like, dude, this is, this is whack. Like it's just June. I guess people are out of school. So it's packed. So I, I got a mileage flight, but uh, it's, uh, it's becoming crazy here. Yeah, I may or may not. Do, I, I might do that. Do that FSTA one in New York. What about July? You um, you going to a wedding, not Vegas, right? I'm skipping Vegas because Heather's best friend uh, is getting married, and uh, it's a little ridiculous. Like, it's just it's just like I don't know. We're going somewhere in France. I'm sure it's going to be super nice in Provence, and like it's going to be a fancy wedding. And thankfully, they're they're like because she's the maid of honor. They're like paying for our rooms. I'm sure it's like an incredibly expensive hotel. So we're doing that, and then we're going to Beaujolais for a couple of days, and then I think we're going to take a train to Paris for a day or two and then fly out of Paris back to L.A., and that's, it's just ha- the wedding happens to be right during the Vegas trip. So it's a little bit, you know, I, I like going on the Vegas trip, but I'm going to go on this instead. But it's just going to be kind of an insanely, I'm sure it'll be ex- extremely expensive, everything, regardless, <laughs> but it is what it is. No doubt. You want to talk about your main event team? Yeah, let's talk about that. What do you think of it? First of all, what, what did you think of the team? I think you did well. I hate to say it, but that's because you want to be me. I mean, it looks like you just totally did my strategy. You did take Garrett Cole in the second, and then you took one, two, three, four, five, what, six straight hitters. So that's one pitcher through eight rounds. I mean, I, obviously, I like your team. I mean, I, that's the strategy I've been using, just a very slight modification, which is the one that I've considered all along, although I mostly considered the DeGrom you know, Scherzer or Sale in the first round, I did consider that maybe you get one horse and then you go crazy. So that's kind of what you did, you know, with Cole there. So yeah. what did you think with it? Did you did you plan on doing my strategy? I think I heard you say an XM no, but I don't know. I will I will say talking to you, I feel like you've been the one who's been more most open to my crazy strategy. So so I could see that you you, you kind of thought ahead ahead that you might might go this route. I, I felt like I I'm definitely gonna get one stud pitcher in the first three rounds. And, and hopefully two. But when I was picking 3-8 in the 15 team, I knew there'd be nobody in round three I'd want to take. So I knew if I, I'm either going pitcher-pitcher or I'm only getting one pitcher. And I didn't really want to go pitcher-pitcher. So I pretty much knew I was getting one pitcher. And then the question was, do I do it in round one and get DeGrom, who would have been my guy at eight, uh, or I do it in round two and get whoever, you know, my best pitcher falls there. And I was actually set to take DeGrom in one, but... Someone took Aaron Judge at the fifth overall pick. So that made Jose Ramirez available at eight. And I just thought, you know, that's a little bit too good. So I took him instead of DeGrom, and then I took Garrett Cole in round two. Now, I've been using that 60-20-20 cheat sheet, which really boosts up the pitchers. It has DeGrom sixth overall and Sale eighth overall. And that's based on Cardi and Steamer's projections mixed in with the NFBC projections. So it boosts the pitchers. But it still had Ramirez at five. So yeah. I had him ahead, and I just thought this is a good value. I'm going to take him, and I'll take a pitcher in round two, and it just happened to be Garrett Cole. I wasn't going to – I mean, pretty much like once the elite pitchers are off the board, and for me they end at Carrasco. They're Scherzer, DeGrom, Sale, Verlander, Nola, Bauer, Cole, Snell, Kluber, Syndergaard, Carrasco. And I'm kind of down on Kluber, actually. But once you get past mm-hmm. Carrasco, that's it. I'm not taking Jamison Tyon and, in the And third you knew round. none of them were coming back at three is what you're saying. I got you. 
I knew none of the guys are coming back in the third. So then it was hitter, 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 hitter. No Tyon, no Bueller. Who's the other option? Like Bueller, I guess. Was, was the yeah, next it was Tyon and Bueller. Yeah. Tyon, Bueller, and Flaherty went in the third. So yeah. okay. I could have taken one of those, but I'm not going to push those guys. You know, I'm not going to okay. just because you know pitching gets scarce. I'm not going to force it. So I got Cole. That's fine. And then I went Chris Bryant in three, Puig in four, Seager in five, Glaber Torres in six, Justin Turner in seven, Gallo in eight. Then I took Severino, who, in my opinion, is an ace if he gets back. And I mean, it's just, 50, you know, who knows who he'll be. But if he's himself, then I've got a second ace. Then I took Malik Smith because I needed steals. I took a closer, David Robertson. Then I took Miguel Cabrera. Then I went nine straight pitchers from rounds 13 through 21. And the thing about this is I think this is the right way to do your strategy. I don't think you want to go in with nobody. I think you want to get one star and then do the randomness, the pitcher, you know, get a whole bunch of quantity and manage i don't think you can do it with nobody no stars it's too hard to get credible score in the pitching in the pitching categories for the overall i think if you get one star load up hitting crush hitting and then uh mix and match if you get a couple of breakouts you can win the whole thing but i just think it's impossible to do it without at least one star I've thought about that very much so, and you might have convinced me, and I still, I'm still i going to do a main event online next week, so I might do that myself. I, I, might, I might switch it up and do one of those main guys. I'm with you. It makes total sense. And, and the problem I have with your draft here is that I like all these guys you got too. I mean, I, the Chris Bryant and Puig and Seager and Torres, but even like Justin Turner, you know that dude had a 190 WRC plus in the second half last year, arbitrary endpoints, but he's recovering from wrist surgery. I think that basically means he was the best hitter in baseball in the second half last year. Look at the projections. He's awesome, man. I mean, he's going in the seventh round Gallo. Um, yeah, I like what you did. And then you got the, that. What did you think of the pitchers? Like that, that, what did you like? You know, well, I mean, did you go in a row nine in a row? Did you like the kind of the freedom of that? And were you debating one that ended up coming all the way back? Yeah, I debated a lot that ended up coming all the way back. You know, I was yeah. Stephen Matz. I almost took him where I took Sonny Gray. I took Sonny Gray in round 17. I got Matz yeah, in round 19. Yeah, it happens to me when I do this strategy. That's why I asked. Yeah. So, I, I love Matz. Matt, how many starts did Stephen Matz make last year? How many do you think? Uh, 21. 30. Well, wow. I know he was awesome in the second half. He threw his slider a bunch more, and I was actually there was a tangible difference. I didn't know he made 30 starts. Wow, obviously that's way under. So. He's, a le- he's a lefty. who They don't usually throw as hard. What's his velocity small. last year? Yeah, and he's small, and he's small. But Matt's so hard, like probably like 93, which is fast for lefty. 93.7. He, he, his yeah. velocity is wow. totally intact. He made 30 yeah. starts last year. I mean, yeah, he's been injury prone in the past, but he's healthy now. He's healthy basically all of last year. He's going in the 19th round. This is kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, no, I really like Matt's. I like Urias. R- Ryu, I like too. I mean, uh, yeah, I, uh, this is a strategy that I'm, I'm on board with. So um, it's easy for me. To, I like Joe Jimenez later. You got Taylor Rogers late. So uh, I think my team's going to look similar in, as far as the color codedness when, when I yeah. do my main event too. So anyway, so do you have any other coming away thoughts of that or, uh, or the other, the auction or tout? I mean, touts, obviously, people love, love to talk about tout. How is tout? That was good. You know, I spent the least on pitching of anybody. I spent $57 on pitching, and eight of those were on Craig Kimbrell. <laughs> so it might only be $49 if he ends up signing the NL. I got Carlos Carrasco for 28 He was by far the cheapest of the aces. And then I just got, like, a, a bunch of cheap guys. 
And again, like I just, the, basically the research is that the elite starters return value pretty well. The mid-level starters are terrible investments. And then the cheap ones, I mean, you got to fill your roster somehow. And those guys sometimes pan out. They're kind of unpredictable at the bottom. So that's kind of how I'm structuring my teams this year. I'm just basing it on historically, you know, where the value is and I'm avoiding that big middle tier. Yeah. Or you want to be me. Uh, or I've poisoned your brain because yeah, it's spending the least on the the pitching in the auction too. So interesting. It does. It does. I mean, it's crazy how much they're getting bumped up, especially in the NFBC. But um, yeah. So I like your team lists, and uh, we'll see how the how my main event goes next week. Um, we did League of Leagues while you were gone in New York. Um, I talked to you a little bit back and forth. That took uh, ten hours. It actually came in the final pick. Nine hours, uh, Funston put in nine hours and 59 minutes and a few seconds. Quite a long draft day of the three sports. Um, we don't need to go over too much, but I want to point out that we, we, we kept the same strategy of going all in in, in basketball, sorry, in, in football and baseball, partially because we did that last, last year. We didn't take a, a basketball player until round 35 or the 50 rounds or whatever, because so, since we had such better keepers in the other two sports. But here's also, remember how we, we started when we first did this years ago, like, you know, obviously we're going basketball. They were the most reliable. So 11 of the first 13 picks were NBA players. Like they're just going too far that way, man. So like, I think our strategy just was perfect. That's why I told you we're playing chess or playing checkers because that's just too far. No matter how reliable Bradley Beal is, like you're really going to take the ninth best, you know, basketball player when Mike Trout's on the board. I mean, I don't know. I, I thought that was pretty crazy. And I loved our debate at pick number five, Ezekiel Elliott versus Mike Trout in an on-base league. I thought that was a, a real fascinating type, type debate. Yeah, I mean, I'd make Zeke the number two overall pick. And, and fortunately, we have the number one overall pick in Barkley also on our team. So, yes, it's, so it's truly ridiculous how good our football team is. And, you know, football is probably the least predictable. But baseball, basketball is the most predictable. I think that's why. And each player has the largest share of, you know, they're most reliable. So I get it. Basketball should be first. But if our keepers are bad and people have good keepers, like there's no point in like pushing a rock uphill. I mean, we should just go where it takes us. I really liked what you did. The only thing I was negative about was I didn't like Jose Barrios where you got him. I felt like those mid-level pitchers, like don't push him up. I would have been fine tanking starting pitching if you wanted to or taking a true ace there. But to push Barrios that high, I don't agree that, with that. that, that yeah. Okay, that's just my, my idea. He is a true ace. So that's the only reason I did that because he sticks out on my, my cheat sheet. I have him in near that tier. So I could be wrong on that, but that's just my philosophy there. And I knew I know what you're saying. But in my mind, he's going to be – he is that, that ace. But, but obviously he has to be that for it to work. But, but I, that's, that's why I went with that. Okay. I mean, yeah. I think exactly he's going like, I think he's going to go crazy. I mean, look at look at the so the the bat loves him. I mean, the projections are he's he could be a monster this year. Very very, right. very easily. So all right. that's my, why Yeah, my experience is stay away from that tier, but there are occasionally guys who do live up to it. Yeah, he was pretty early. He got him in round 8. And you know, I like Edwin Diaz. I like Turner's story VR. I mean, it's amazing that Acuña, how is Acuña? Oh, we kept Acuña. I was like, how is we he available it, in round 14? No, no, no. But I, I like it, all yeah. the rest. I mean, Puig, oh, we kept Puig and Sony Michelle. That's why we got those guys. Yeah, our baseball is pretty stacked. We just don't have really good starting pitching. That's the only weakness. Yeah, well, yeah, that's why I went with one, but you might be right about Brio. So I'm definitely banking on him taking a leap. But yeah, but Freeman and like Daniel Murphy are, are on base is, is pretty out of control. But just real quick, in a 14 team uh, football league, 
We have Cam Newton and Jimmy G at quarterback, Saquon and Elliott and Sony Michelle at running back, Beckham, Cooper, and then I went my guy, Dante Pettis. One interesting one I threw at you, what was it? Uh, O.J. Howard versus Evan Ingram. I loved having to make that decision this this far in advance of the fantasy football season. Right. I went with your instinct with, with O.J. Howard and a couple later upside guys. Uh, but I, I was checking out your, your cheat sheet, and it's – Anyway, it was a fun draft, and it was uh, took forever. And and uh, well, one one thing is a guy pointed out because uh, someone brought this up to uh, Pat Mayo that that they like, why wouldn't you just tank one sport and go crazy in the two? And he said it's impossible to win the overall there. And uh, I guess my my counter would be we do get payouts for winning an individual sport, and that last sport, basketball. Um, I, more I thought about it is a not only do some teams get totally loaded because they had really bad first two sports, so it's right. going to take a it's going to be harder to win that sport. But also there are teams conversely that totally tank. Like for instance, last year I didn't draft a basketball player until round 34, and guess what? We're not in last place in basketball because other teams are just totally even tanked right. more. So maybe right. if they don't finish, you know, if they finish, you know, tenth in that one and win the other two, I think we can bring the three. And I really like. I like this draft better, mainly because you were less involved. So um, <laughs> anyway, we have, we have the Miz there talking talking shit during it, and it was a lot of fun. And there was like uh, Tim Bontemps was at like Brad Stevenson's press conference, so he would like take forever, uh-huh. uh, and people were just like giving it, getting so mad and irate, and it's like dealing with their families. It was pretty pretty funny stuff. But so, um, so this was not live though. This was you did this online, right? Yeah, I everyone used a, a Google Sheet. See, I've been there in Vegas in person before, and uh, there was talk of going actually to Canada to, to Jonah's place, but uh, maybe next year. So every every single person was remote. And no one's going to Canada for this shit. Trust me. Here's what's up. I've never been, man. I'm looking for an excuse to go to Canada. He promised the best eating of the weekend. I've never I've never been to Canada. That'd be a, a fun a fun excuse to try that. But uh, but uh, I think Canada's like known for its culinary. Uh, <laughs> oh, shots shots fired. Shots. Montreal probably has some. I mean, they probably some good restaurants in the cities, like anywhere else. But no one's like, oh, let's go get some Canadian food. <laughs> All right, I mean, I'm gonna Dude, let's, let's get, get some Canadian. You you up for Canadian? Yeah, man. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's what he promised. If someone were to make the the trip, but uh, yeah, it sounds like it's 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 okay that we uh. We missed that. Uh, we missed that trip this time. So, other than my daughter having a, her birthday party in, in Chuck E. Cheese uh, Sunday morning, she turned six. We rented it out from nine to eleven in the morning, which was actually a smart way to go. Other than that, awesome event. The, the only other one I could think of actually to bring up to talk on this podcast is Odell Beckham is no longer on the Giants. I actually want to get further on the Giants, considering uh, you could PayPal me fifty dollars, Eli Manning already. Never Fuck. have I sooner I forgot $50 about that. One, or, or sorry, off you than that. But uh, yeah, so please. Where, where do you stand now, the Browns and your New York Football Giants? You mean I'm not a Giants fan. I'm a Browns fan, man. What are you talking about? Plus, <laughs> well, uh, I, I went. I, I went to true. Cleveland. I went to Cleveland many times as a kid. My mom is from Cleveland. I spent a lot of time there at my grandmother's place. Uh, Cleveland was a place I knew well growing up. Now I'm still rooting for the Giants, but I'm not that bummed about the Beckham trade. Everyone's waiting for this huge rant, but they got a first, a third, and a good player uh, in Jabril yeah. Pepper. So they got like decent value, and plus Beckham was on a big contract, so they shed some cap space, got the first, third, and a good player. So altogether, that was good. And look how much money Landon Collins got. So they replaced Landon Collins cheaper, and they got two picks. And they saved Beckham's salary, so that's good. That they may they maybe should have got a little more, but it's not like a ridiculous deal. Secondly, Beckham's been hurt a lot the last two years. Third, 
you know, they paid Eli's roster bonus, which means he's going to certainly be the quarterback for next year. And so Beckham would have been kind of wasted yet another year. I mean, the team's not going to win with Eli. So, and I'm happy for Beckham because I love Beckham and I'm glad he gets to play with Baker Mayfield. And it's exciting for the NFL that, you know, they've separated Beckham from such a piece of garbage in Eli. But for the Giants, even though the whole thing was reasonable except for keeping Eli, it just shows what a nutless monkey uh, John Mara is. You know, you, oh, by the way, I want to talk about succession because we talked about that. You ranked it as your best show. Uh, I did like the last episode, so the last two that we, we saw after I mocked you for making it the best. It wasn't the best show of the year, but it was, it was pretty good the way it ended. I love the way uh, Kieran Culkin's, the, I'll just say the launch of his uh, project went at the last episode. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. Yes. And like the, <laughs> the whole way that, the way he was like looking at it online and stuff, that was like, You're right. yes, yes, yes. that was like sure. truly a great scene. But anyway, and totally believable that that's how it would go. He, they're like, well, what happened? He's like, yeah, I pushed, I pushed it. They said they weren't ready, but I pushed it because I wanted it to happen before the wedding. I'm like, why? Like, this is so, so bad. Literally, but anyway, literally the launch, right? Yeah, literally the launch, right? Yeah, literally the launch of his project. So I don't yeah. want to give it away. But the point is that um, one thing about that show, it, it sort of illustrates, is how inept the second generation of wealth is often. Like the first generation builds it, and the second generation is just lazy, good for nothing. You know, they've grown up with complete comfort. There's just no drive. They don't really, they've never really, you know, had skin in the game in the way that the, the initial creator, the initial founder, the patriarch of the family had. And so John Marr, you know, his father, Wellington Marr, is one of the guys who built the NFL into what it is. And John Marr, it's just like, what a tool, like sticking with Eli, getting rid of Beckham, never standing up for Beckham in the media. He's just one of those second generation wealthy people who has just no, he has no qualification to run a football team. He's just the son of somebody who built, built the league and built the business. And same with like the Steelers, like the Roonies, like that, that franchise is in shambles too. It's like, look at Al Davis's kid. I mean, they're all ridiculous. And it's because these aren't the guys who really had any skill whatsoever. They're total morons running the league and not just morons. It's not about intelligence, although they probably don't have that much of it. It's just, they're just not, pushed to have really truly learned things so they just right. they're just idiots they're just like hoping to be liked they have no sense of themselves like they're just like weak and uh you know so that it's not surprising that he couldn't stand up for odell beckham get behind him i mean you look at like jerry jones and robert Kraft, who we, we talked about uh his situation like those guys they're not scared they're not going to just cave to the media you may not like them and they're dicks or whatever but they're the guys who built their businesses. They're not like, they didn't inherit their teams. So, you know, they'll stand by a troubled player and, you know, you think what you want of it, but they're just not like, it may be for the wrong reasons, but it's just not, everything's not out of like pleasing everybody out of fear. And you want somebody who's a badass, who doesn't care. And John Mara is just emphatically not that. So I'm happy for Beckham. I'm obviously sad that he's not a giant. Still love Barkley. Eli, as stupid as that decision is, and I can't wait till Gettleman. They're going to get rid of Gettleman soon enough, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, Eli's done after this year anyway. So, I mean, it's just a wasted year. Yeah, I'm upset with the Giants for, uh, I think they were just so scared to trade him within their conference. Like, they demanded the number two overall from the Niners, supposedly, who were definitely in on on Beckham, who I was just really wanted. I thought I was going to accuse you of being just like, you know, butthurt about the deal because you had Beckham down as your sixth wide receiver when I was looking at your cheat sheet. 
But in fairness to you, when I was debating Hopkins or him with our second round pick, you said either is fine. So I, I think I come on Mayfield first time to get a real quarterback. I mean, I, I'd love to see him, you know, not with poor weather situation. But man, Beckham could just go nuts. I know it doesn't yeah. always work like it looks on paper, but not so easy. But yeah, he could. Well, he could. He could. I have, I have Beckham at six, but look, look who he's. I mean, I have Beckham at four actually right now. That was after the trade. Okay. You know, that's after the trade. But I mean, look, look, it's Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Julio Beckham, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, Smith Schuster, Mike Evans. Those eight, I mean, they could pretty much, you could put any of them anywhere. I think Hopkins is the safest just because the floor is so yeah. ridiculous. Uh, I think Devontae Adams is pretty safe too. They don't seem to like, they, they don't have anybody else. And Julio, like, he had eight touchdowns in the second half and just had 1,677 yards, the 12th most yards ever. He's not slowing down, he's in the same situation. And Michael Thomas, you know, with with Breeze. I mean, Beckham and Antonio Brown are a little bit wild cards because they're in different, you know, they're in different places. Yeah. So Hopkins went one pick before I took Beckham, and right afterward, I have to say this: uh, Todd Gurley went immediately afterward. When I did my initial ranks, I didn't have that guy in like my. I had him like my seventeenth running back or something. If he's going to be treated as a borderline top three fantasy back this season in the industry, I'm going to be a huge outlier because that, I mean, that's crazy to me. The guy has knee tendonitis, arthritis. I mean, no thanks. We're, yeah, we're I'm 17th people. right now on the cheat sheet, but I may move him down even for a bit more. I mean, who, wa- who wants that headache right now? I mean, if you're drafting now, we may find out something later that makes you feel better or worse, but why even chance it? I mean, why take Gurley over Nick Chubb? Why take Gurley over Melvin Gordon? Why take him over Le'Veon? Why, why even risk it? Yeah, I know. I have him like late 20s overall on my board or something. That's, yeah, that's crazy if he's treated as a top five pick. That's, yeah. They didn't play him in the Super Bowl. I mean, he says that this is going to be right. an ongoing thing. Yeah, no thank you to me. I yeah, asked he's, him to be an he's easy toast. pass. Wow. He's, to- he's so, toast. Wh- I mean, I hate, I mean, it sucks. I mean, I wish it wasn't the case, but I mean, it clearly, clearly it is. So, uh, what you brought up Antonio Brown. Can we talk about your guy, John Gruden? So what, what are your thoughts after the, the, the moves he's made in, in free agency and with the deal with, with bringing in AB? I don't love Derek Carr, but let's see what happens now that he has some receivers. His best receiver last year was Jared Cook. So now he's got Antonio Brown, and he's got these picks, and I think the Raiders are obviously in a good spot. I mean, they're, they're, they've done pretty much everything right. I and mean, they shouldn't have traded that pick for... Martavis Bryant, but you know Martavis Bryant is the kind of guy that you'd at least want to see people gamble on. It seemed like kind of an expensive price, but getting him is the kind of gamble I would have made. I would have hopefully gotten for a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick, but um, they maybe overpaid. But you know they got first round pick for Cooper. It's way more than Antonio Brown fetched. It's almost as much as Odell Beckham fetched. So so far so good. Let's see what happens. A couple things. One, they also signed Trent Brown whom I'm familiar with because that was the Niners who they gave to uh, New England last year. I looked him up. He's gave him a big contract. Uh, Pro Football Focus ranked him 68th out of 80 tackles. Um, by the way, you know who ranked 80th in tackles? That was Raiders rookie Colton Miller, who they took ahead of Derwin James, who PFF graded as a number two safety. Flat. Yeah, but you can't Having criticize draft. I, honestly, like any one I, draft. I, I mean, look at some of the Patriots picks over the years. It's terrible. Lawrence sure. Maroney, remember they took I, that I dude? I know, I know. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, I, I think it's, it, the draft is Maroney like, was going to ball. Maroney was going to ball. I love that guy. He, he ran over some pool like the first got, couple got, weeks of the year. Got, okay, so let me ask you this. Like, was Colton Miller graded as a first-round pick? 
Probably, yeah, I think so. I, I think I think most people had Derwin James ahead of him, but yeah, I don't think it was like some crazy. Yeah, reach, so I mean, right? you know, that's I can't right. unless you reach for somebody who's. They just went out of their way to sign a tackle that was graded poorly. But now, hold on, I'm going to give you a flip side here. You know, Sloan, not Sloan Sports Conference, right? At MIT, they just yeah. gave uh, the Raiders the best transaction award, calling it the, the the Khalil Mack trade, the single best move that any franchise made in any sport over the last year. Which is kind of funny when you think about it on the surface, because everyone's, you know, Khalil Mack went crazy. But you know, I think their theory is like in salary cap leagues, you you don't pay one player a lot, and if you're not that close to winning a championship, you should tank, and you should tank for assets. And they got a ton of them for Khalil Mack. So even on the surface, the one that everyone would make the most fun of Gruden, they literally just Sloan just gave him the best transaction of the year. So I just thought of those Gruden things since I've been giving you a hard time. That's one of the notes I wrote down to talk to you yeah. about on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not like the Gruden guy. I'm not saying Gruden's like an amazing. Oh, no, I'm making you, know, you one. I'm just I'm saying not, like I'm just making you one. he knows what he's like. I said he knows what he's doing. Like he's a professional coach that won a Super Bowl. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl, but he didn't have Aaron Rodgers when he won that Super Bowl. And he also got the Raiders to the playoffs and turned that franchise around. So he probably knows what he's doing. And I just thought it was ridiculous that all the uh, stats bros were like, shitting on him like oh he he doesn't know anything he's behind the times like you don't come on man you're just some guy with the spreadsheet like he's actually won a super bowl and made it to you know the playoffs and probably should have beat brady in that game with the, the tuck rule although was he the coach then or he had moved to tampa that was 2001 so i can't remember if i know he coached oh, in 2002 oh, no. Gruden's definitely coached the tuck rule absolutely Gruden's okay so so, so gruden yeah. was in that game probably should have won that game and the Patriots end up winning the Super Bowl. Who knows what happens there? The next year he goes to Tampa and wins the Super Bowl there. So, I mean, you got to at least think that he's, you know, competent as a coach. And who cares about his remarks about analytics? And he made some good trades. I don't know about the Trent Brown side. I mean, who the hell knows? But, you know, there's a, there's a lot of guys that... Uh... Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cashback or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. You know, I wouldn't just go because Pro Football Focus says this, then... I know, know, I know. know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Seems like they're in a good spot, the Raiders. I wouldn't have stuck with Derek Carr. I'm... As you know, as I've said before, I'm philosophically opposed to settling for a mediocre QB. You know, get a get a great one or not. And to me, in this day and age, you better get an absolute wizard in the pocket or someone mobile. You cannot just get someone like Jared Goff, even Derek Carr, Andy Dalton. These guys, they're not good enough for their lack of mobility. If, if you want to get Cam Newton, who's just okay in the pocket, great because he can do something else. Russell Wilson's great at both. You know, Lamar Jackson, give him a shot. Let's see how good he can be as a passer. If he's just even decent, he's going to be, a, you know, a huge asset. So I feel like either you got to be at least like Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan level good to be the pocket QB, which I doubt Derek Carr is, or you got to get someone who's mobile. 
I wish they would have signed Lev Bell as well, which apparently they're really close to bringing Brown and Bell there. It would have been interesting. Definitely going to be interested in seeing Antonio Brown there, though, after that, uh, all that drama. The other thing is I hope, uh, I hope ESPN talks Peyton Manning into joining Monday Night Football because I don't know if you've watched any of his clips. Uh, every time I see him pop up on Twitter, I have. And he's really – not only is he insightful, but he's funny. And I think it obviously be an improvement over Witten. But, um, yeah, so I'm hoping – as far as football, that's my other – thought right now hoping Peyton Manning joins the booth but um that's all list you have any other uh, thoughts on football or, or nah, baseball? I'm, I don't, I'm even pissed that we're Random talking about stuff. football I don't even want to be talking about football right now baseball is just starting who cares about football there's so much fucking football you know well uh, like, hey do you, have, do you have any thoughts on the uh, MLB rule changes and, uh, and that's a serious question actually because I think the facing three straight batters is, 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 is a, you know that's not nothing is that a real thing I thought people were joking about that I was gonna make a real man joke that a real man Real man makes a minimum of 50 straight batters for every pitcher. You can't come in unless you're going to face 50 batters. you got to face three batters. That's not that bad. No. That won't really matter. Oh, you mean so those lefty specialists just can't come in to get one out? Yep, not starting this year, but I believe next. Correct. Yep. It's going to put some guys out of work. You know, there's going to be some of those lefty, those loogies that have been hanging around. They're not going to get a job if they have to face two righties after that. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I saw a graph that it's been kind of trending that way anyway. But um, yeah, some interesting changes with the, uh, you know, hopefully less commercials and all that. Uh, it'd be crazy if they really instituted any sort of mound changes, which some talks were. But uh, I guess giving a million dollars to the home run derby winner could be a good thing if it actually promotes more more stars from 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 doing it. So I don't know. At least they're trying to make the sport more interesting. But I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm ready for baseball. I'm fired up for the – I only have a couple more drafts. Uh, like I said, I'm doing the main event, just trying to decide which night next week. And, uh, yeah, I think you talked me into it. I think I'm probably going to possibly go with one starter, but I'm definitely going to go this hitter-heavy strategy in that one. And, um, and yeah, you, you, you excited with your teams you came away with this last weekend in, in New York? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm happy with that. I feel like I pulled it off. When you when you do all that hitting, you're like, okay, what am I going to do for closers and what am I going to do for starting pitching? So your first 10 picks is where you establish your strategy and your next 10 is where you find out that, whether you pulled it off or not. And I felt like I pulled it off. That doesn't mean it's going to be good True. because obviously it depends on the specific players doing well. But I felt like strategically I, I accomplished what I set out to. I got three closers. They're kind of all shaky, but, you know, that's something. Hopefully I get one and a half of them to you know, do what they're supposed to, and I can fab another half of one and be competitive in that category. You're just, you know, trying to cobble it together. I really wanted uh, a, a closer. When I when I took, uh, who was it? I guess I took Seeger. No, I took, yeah, Seeger in the fifth. And in the sixth, I was hoping to get Kenley Jansen or Osuna or even Vasquez. And, the, and Vasquez went one pick before me. The whole thing, the half, you know, I was half around to wait. Every single closer in that tier was gone. Vasquez going one pick before me. And I was like, out loud, I was like, fuck. You know, like I just missed that tier. So I was like, all right, I'll take Seeger, who I really like. Sorry, I'll take uh, Glaber Torres, who I really like. I was like, it's fine. I'll just keep going with the hitting. And then the next three closers, it was like Kirby Yates, Sean Doolittle, and Knable went. So I was like, all right, fuck it. I, I guess I'm waiting on closers. I took Justin Turner, and then I took Gallo, and then I took Severino, and then I took Malik Smith. And finally, in round 11, I took Robertson. I should have taken Craig Kimbrell in round 11, but... I thought maybe because I got him so cheap in labor, like I thought maybe people were worried that he wasn't going to sign till June after, you know, the compensation, um, the free agent. You know, if you sign a free agent, then the Red Sox get compensation, or the team signing him loses compensation. But after June, that's not the case. So he'd be cheaper for the team to sign. They wouldn't have to give up a draft pick. So maybe you know that'll happen. But either way, I 
probably prefer Kimball to Robertson, and I waited, played chicken one round too long. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I executed the plan, and and we'll see what happens. You know, we'll, we'll see if I, it actually works. I mean, that's the thing, right? You could love your team, and then your players suck. <laughs> it's oh, I've got this, I've got that. It's all on, just on paper at this point. I was just um, writing about your guy uh, Jimenez. Uh, the bat projects uh, Shane Green for a one point three five WHIP. Uh, Jimenez, guess what he, they project for uh, his ERA? Uh, three fifteen. Two point eight five, one point oh seven WHIP, and like oh, a nice. you know, ten K per nine. Yeah, I mean that's what's well, one projection system, but I like I like that as a freebie in round twenty seven or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah. I uh, I hear you though in the sense of no trade leagues and non auction leagues. It's like uh, as far as we don't, we'll see how this plan goes, and especially when it comes to, to closers and the saves. That's what's always so scary when you can't trade. But uh, obviously, Fab a lot come into the league. Yeah, um, no, I, I feel like I got everything, but we'll see if that holds up. Um, the other thing I want to say, and I just I thought about this, and I feel like I don't know if we talked about it on the, the previous pod, but this is kind of a, a thing for me. Is I've got like a do not draft list, pretty much of a bunch of players and. Almost all of them, I mean, there's some that I just don't like for whatever reason, but almost all of them are guys who went crazy in the end of 2016 and the and 2017 when the ball was crazy juiced. And so, like, Gary Sanchez, right. I used to think was a, a target because I was like, oh, he'll bounce back. He had an injury last year. But then I thought about it. He came up in 2016, was amazing, and followed it up in 2017 and then cratered last year. I don't think we know how good he is because 2017, 2016, Elvis Andrews hit 20 home runs in 2017. The ball was clearly right, but what, juiced. What about the second half of uh, that? What about half the season of 2016 then? You just obviously were like checking your email or something because you. I, I just no, explained. I'm not. No, no, why, I just said. I said the second half of. I said the second half of 2016 and right. 2017. I started that 17 is what when, every time you've been talking about this okay my bad so you have started it literally where gary sanchez entered the league okay fair enough then basically i mean that's when those guys like reese hoskins matt olson i mean hoskins had a good year last year so wasn't like incredible wasn't nearly as good as when he got called up but you know he, he'll probably hit 35 homers i know bellinger, guys, was, was bellinger is a not do not draft list bellinger to me is like 28 home runs 250 guy i mean where he's going is just absurd yeah, no, all, the, all that makes sense. I'm writing a uh, column right now, bust list, which I hate having to pick one from every team. It's more so just overvalued or fades. And, and I, I, that makes sense completely. Um, and I, and I, boy, I, I have a lot of Sanchez things. So if it really is right there, that would be bad. Obviously, he was playing hurt some last year. But yeah, that year is clearly different. 2017, no doubt. Justin Smoke is another guy I like, and I think he went ballistic that, that year too. But but last yeah. year he was he's not as bad as some think. But yes, it's something to think about. Yeah, I, I smoke, smokes do not draft. Charlie Blackman. Look at Charlie Blackman. Charlie Blackman, to me, is way overvalued. He came up and he had 43 steals in 2015, but he had a 287, 347, 450 line, 797 OPS despite playing a course. 287 hitter. He stole 43 bases. Okay, He only had 17 home runs, age 28. That was his breakout year. Although he's pretty good the year before, too. So he was good. That's his peak. 27, 28 years old, had 288, 287 with 17, 19 home runs and tons of steals. Then 2016, 2017, he goes crazy. In 2017, he had 37 home runs and 14 triples. He scored 137 runs, batted 331. 2016, 324. 
Last year, he stops running mostly. He only had 12 steals in 156 games, 29 home runs, 291 batting average. If you don't expect him to run, then he'll get more RBIs, and he scored a ton of runs last year. He's still pretty good. You know, then this guy's, to me, this guy's like a age 32, there's decline here, a 25 to 30 home run hitter. He, that 37, you can just forget about. So he's a 25 to 30 home run hitter with marginal steals and probably like a 290-ish average. And he's going to score a ton of runs, so that's good. He'll probably get a lot of RBIs. I don't know why he only had 70. That was kind of weird. But round three, early round three, I'm going to pass on that. Yeah, I have this, uh, this outfield tier uh, three or whatever, I'd say. Sorry, round three type tier of similar outfielders, Marte, Soto, Benintendi, Blackman, and Chris Bryant. Basically, I just have them jumbled there, and I don't really care who falls. I like Marte for the steals, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I, have, I don't have Blackman in any of my teams, so I, I don't really argue with you there. So um, I, took who, Chris who Bryant, I took Chris Bryant over Marte in the oh. main event, and I was, I was thinking about it, and over Juan Soto. They were all three there. And I just think Bryant had 39 home runs. I mean, I guess 2016 was part of it, half of the year. I didn't really look at the first and second half. I should look at that. But I felt like that guy, he did it pre, he won MVP pre-2017. I should look at his, his first and second half splits, though, in 2016, because I, I was mostly focusing on 2017. But then when people started asking about Sanchez, I was like, well, he came up right when the whole juice ball started. Yeah, so, that's why. I mean, I was listening to you. I just heard you talk about this before. I think you've added that in the last half recently. So I, I'm sorry that I glossed over it because I've heard you talk. Don't about worry. It. Jeff does it all the time. Jeff is always like checking his yeah, email but, and like he'll, I'll yeah, say. But I wasn't at the time. I I'll, know he did. I know. I know. I'll, I'll say, hey, you know, so and so, blah, 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 blah. And, he'll, and then he'll be like, yeah, and da, 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 da. Exactly what I said. I'll be like, oh, you clearly weren't listening. Bryant had a 968 uh, OPS in the second half. Uh, uh, oh no, we're looking at 2016, right? 16, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and better the, first half, than second. Oh, good. Better okay, that, that's, that's great. That's, yeah. Okay, yeah. good, good. Because yeah. to me, that's the key, right? Is the guy legit pre-juiced ball? Being good in the juiced ball era doesn't mean you're going to be bad. It just means it's a different game. We just we can't use it. It's not that uh, indicative. I think these. All, and I think the projection systems are a little bit off because there's three-year weighted averages right. is kind of like the basis, and they're weighting 2017, you know, not as heavily as last year, but they're still, it still matters quite a bit. So to me, that's a little, it's a little shaky. And also on the other side, like Degrom had his worst year in 2017, gave up a lot of home runs. Look at Degrom's home runs allowed over those three years. He, I think, he allowed oh. 28 home runs in 2017, and besides that, he's 16, 15, 28, 10. So DeGrom, every year besides 2017, has been an absolute monster. And he only looks like he's just, you know, a little bit, like, erratic because of 2017. So you take that out, and it's like, this guy has been kind of untouchable the last five years. Interesting. Um, I hadn't thought about that with him. Yeah, he, well, he was just absolutely ridiculous. Video game good last year, obviously. By- Byron Buxton, your guy... I was just writing about him actually on this bus thing. I think you paid up for him. A couple things. Do you think projection systems, I, I'm guessing the answer is no, but they don't factor in like draft pedigree, right? They're just clearly looking at the whatever you did in the minors regardless. And I wonder if that should somehow be factored in. And um, also, are, are you just loving him going nuts in spring? Or I, I, hear, I hear you keep saying over and over that you're a Buxton guy on, on XM. 
I'm not the Buxton guy unless he goes 20-30. Then I was always the Buxton guy. I, got, I mean, I got outbid by Matt Modica in uh, the auction. I went to 11 on Buxton. He went 12. I let it go. I'd already bought a lot of players. I couldn't spend big. I did get him in Towers for 18 and Ale only. It just seemed cheap. Like Malik Smith went for 25. I got Buxton for 18. And it's, you know, Buxton's been hurt a ton. He's got a 1466 OPS in, uh, in spring training. He's been hurt a lot. He's yeah, put on 20 pounds of muscle too. But yeah, you know, he gets hurt a ton. He's also st- stolen three bases, four home runs in spring training. But if he's healthy, you know, he might hit 230 or something. I mean, it's, that's in the range of outcomes. But he's going to get 15 to 20 homers and 25 plus steals. He's just going to do that if he's healthy. I mean, and he's going to play every day because he's a center fielder. He's a great center fielder. So I just think in an A only, like 18 is just cheap. If he hits 270 or more, great. But 15 homers and 25 steals is just sort of what he does in his sleep if healthy. Man, he finished with a negative three WRC plus last year. I don't know if I've seen anyone in the negative, but he's uh, he's also the fastest player in baseball, literally. So I'm with you. He can he can get steals. That just might come with a 220 batting average, and obviously the health's another issue. But I love that you're still going. Worst on. case, worst case if healthy is like Mike Cameron. You remember Mike Cameron? He's like a 2020, uh, 220 guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's worst case. Yeah, that yeah. is a good comp. Yeah, that is a good comp. Both Cameron was a baller, defensive center fielder too. Uh, so yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so you want to talk more baseball? Look, I'm totally in baseball. You know what I mean? Like we had we had uh, Brad Evans on for college hoops because Deutsch is yeah. pushing college hoops, and it was a fun segment to talk to Brad. I don't, but I don't, you know, care about anything. I don't know shit. I'll be in your pool and donate. Although, yeah. I mean. Nobody has an edge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you don't know any... It doesn't matter if you know about basketball for the tournament brackets. Like, anybody can Absolutely. win your... Yeah. It makes no difference. Yeah, I, don't, I don't follow hoops, college hoops at all, but I um, definitely fill out the bracket. Yeah, so I'll do one of yours. Can I do more than one? It's just 50 bucks per entry? Yeah, go ahead. Do all, all you want. But, all right. Um, I'm yeah. just pissed. I'm pissed I owe you 50 bucks from that stupid Eli thing. It's so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, You're so stupid. into baseball. Yeah, that's 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 funny. I was waiting to say that one. Um, so into baseball, you keep calling him Malix, man. Isn't it Malik Smith? I keep hearing you say that on the I don't on know. Satellite. I don't know how to say this fucking Malik. name. Who are you, right. Steve Moyer? See? Now Moyer, Moyer used to. Uh, I'd mispronounce someone's name or Jeff. I know. I love ex- that. He email me and and correct it. He'd email correct us. So yeah. no, I know. get plenty plenty wrong in pronunciation, but I just keep heard you say that over and over today, Malix. But uh, Mal- I, I it's think Malix, it's Malix, Malix. You know, I think of Malox. You know what you need if you have a bad stomach. Yeah. So uh, by the way, like podcast, I do with you list after every lot, podcast, you know, I was talking about my stomach problems in Spain and, you know, I had this slight worry. I was like, you know, what if this doesn't go away? Cause it'd been like 10 days and I was like, it's getting a little worrisome. Like I'm not sick anymore. My stomach was still so bad there. And, you know, I, I was like Googling it and it was like, nah, you know, sometimes it just takes a while to just eat plain foods for a while. So I did. I'm just like so happy. I totally forgot about that. I was telling Heather, I was like, oh, my stomach's been so good the last week. Maylock Well, Smith. that's good to hear <laughs> the reason maybe that'll that'll stick his nickname the reason we are doing this podcast today earlier this week is because tomorrow um i'm seeing a nutritionist so i'm hoping to fix some of that uh stuff myself with with health and, and, and eating and all that so hopefully i don't need maylox as much as I <laughs> maylox isn't the, that, don't ever oh. take that kind of shit that's just a band-aid like all that stuff like that never helps bone broth you've been eating the bone broth like i told yeah. you drinking a yeah. cup of bone broth yeah, yeah. we can every talk day more about the, uh, backstage we can talk more about that on backstage but i've been tested for uh, t- yeah I've, I've been 
attempting to gain weight. And uh, of course, the, the one time the nutritionist can see me is directly when we always record the pod, but I'm taking steps. And yes, I have, I have hit up the bone broth, which is, uh, which is good. And I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but, uh, yeah, still, still too skinny. So yeah, we'll get rid see. of the gluten. You got to get rid of gluten, unfortunately. And the nutritionist is going to tell you yeah. that. He's going to say, get rid of the gluten. So, Stay away from the grains. Yeah. Eat more meat. So we'll, we'll see what she says, but I was tested for celiac and I did not, I was not negative. But there, so. I'm not celiac either, but I'm gluten free, man. You don't have to be celiac to be gluten, to, to give up the gluten. If, if you're having any sort of digestive issues or uh, nutritional no, absorption issues or any of that kind of shit, you should just cut the gluten out and see what happens. Celiac is like a very specific thing. I guess it's not great if you if you test for that and how they get the the biopsy or something. But I I didn't have no no. But um, they'll they'll test your corpse in a couple years for celiac and they'll figure it out. That's that's very true. That's what Um, you're hoping to avoid. That's the reason you're seeing that. That is what I'm trying. Yeah. No, I've been testing for some scary stuff. But um, before before we go, I think we're reaching an hour here. I want to throw I'll throw a few just random things at you. Um, I'm I'm sure you're following closely. Uh. I could ask you about R. Kelly's nuanced interview with Gail King. The uh, didn't see it. What else? Didn't the, see it. Don't the, care about R. Kelly. The, Don't pay attention to that. Col- Don't care. The college bribing scandal. Oh or yeah. Or the the yeah. Do you have any thoughts on the call on that? Yeah, I think that they're pissed. They're only pissed because the wrong people got paid. Like when you're super rich, you go straight to the board of trustees. You you go to the up 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 top people, and you don't need to fake your SATs. You don't need them to Photoshop your head like Ted Belden in Twitter onto a pole vault or something like that. They just let you in. You know, if you're Jared Kushner money, they just let you in because they don't have to fake it. They just, you just get accepted even though you're not qualified. When you have real money, you get the guy, you get your friend on the board to get you in, to pull the big strings. They're pissed that they went to some low level athletic people and administrative personnel and bribed them. And they took into their own hands and let people in. For generations, uh, people have been getting legacy admissions, donation admissions. You build a, you buy a wing and you get in, your kid gets in. This is just sure. because this is like too small of a bribe. And they don't want like the peons who work in the athletic department or in the like administrative stuff to be in on the take. They don't want them getting a cut of it. You know, it would be like well, in the Sopranos. Yeah, it's like it Tony not. Soprano can like cut a deal with the garbage collection or whatever. But like you can't have some low-level, unmade guy like skimming off of that stuff. And that's basically what's happening. The, the scandal isn't that people are bribing their way into college. That's gone on since the beginning. It's that the wrong people were accepting the bribes. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it's being shaped, that that's how it was brought to light, right? As a lower level, someone was kind of dealing with tax fraud or something and wanted to roll over on someone higher right. than him. So. Right. That, that is no, kind of how it all you, you, it, It's just they went about the bribery the wrong way. There's ways to bribe. The way to bribe is donate a building, be friends with someone from the board. Then you don't need to you know, forge your SAT score or fake anything. They just simply let you in without it, with no explanation. Right. That's the proper right. way to do it. That's the way that a class person does it. If you just have you know, Hollywood actor money, I don't mean like George Clooney money. I mean like you know, whoever the people were, they were a lot lower. You're not going to be able to afford to buy a $12 million building or something like that. So you got to do it the, you know, they tried to do it like the cheap way on the cheap and they got busted. Yeah. You know better because your family did it the proper way in order to get you. Absolutely. Into well, your family's done it the proper way to get you on this podcast. So, I mean, I, I, and I appreciate it. Yeah. It's the only way I'm on air. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. You tell so, everyone that on X Serious XM and half the listeners probably believe it. They probably believe it, but I, I'll, I'll just say this, the, the other side of it. And I know people don't like this, but like, 
I knew a guy, I'm not going to say who it is, no one knows who he is anyway, who basically just copied another dude's SATs. He sat next to a dude who was really smart. They were in the same test-taking center, basically just copied his answers. Another guy I know wrote an essay talking about how he was so, uh, he loved working with the homeless community service-wise and soup kitchens and all the stuff. He never did that shit. He just made it up, got into another really good school. And, you know, one, you know, people could be horrified by that and be like, how can, how could people cheat? Like, how dare they cheat? But I'll tell you something about those two guys. And, you know, I'm not going to say cheating is good or right, but I'll just say this, that we all knew even at the time that it was a game, you know, all this bullshit, all this extracurricular activities and all this coaching for the L, you know, the SATs and getting an egg, going to the teacher after class and asking for, well, what did you mean? I, I want to really get this assignment right. And all that kind of stuff. It's just a game. It's a game and there's rules and then there's cheating. But you know, you're, you're basically like just a game for credentials to get some bullshit Joe, are you going to work on Wall Street after you go through Harvard? You get a Goldman Sachs job, make a lot of money. That's, it's all just a game. So you can understand why people would think, well, this game doesn't, it's, this is not like a real meritocracy. This is not something important. It's not like, this is not like a legitimate competition for something real. This is just a game. So, you know, just like a video game, you get the cheat code and you get to the seventh level or something. That's what people were doing. And I have to say, like, let's not pretend like higher education. Let me ask you this. I, I, if I put out a poll on Twitter, how many, what percent do you think would, would answer which way? If I said, which statement is more true? A, college education is about higher learning. B, college education is about acquiring credentials to make money and also finding a wealthy network of friends. 85% B. Exactly. That's exactly about the percentage that I put. I mean, sure, you can learn some stuff, but you can learn stuff at University of Texas that you can learn at Harvard. I mean, there's great resources at these states. Why do you want to go to Harvard? It's credentialism. It's all it is. So it's just a game. And you're a kid and you're a wealthy private school kid, or even if you're a high-achieving public school kid, you know, you're aware that it's a game. And you didn't ask to be in this game, but you're in this game. And I don't think you've lived long enough to be wise enough to drop out and do something else. So, you know, some people are going to cut corners, man, but it's, it's hard to judge them when, you know, when the game is just this, it's kind of a, it's kind of a fraud in and of itself. And now Aunt Becky is getting fired from every job she's ever had, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty, pretty salacious and uh, that all makes sense. What you said, and then one, one other thing lists um, in, in a serious note, did you have any thoughts on just the horrific uh, New Zealand shooting? I mean, Man, I mean, 17 minutes of camera footage, supposedly, with the shooter, like, saying Candace Owens is the person who influenced him above all, I assume, sarcastically. Just just horrific. Just horrible, man. I mean, you've been, have, you, have you read into this, a lot about this stuff? I was, I think I was in New York during it. I don't know what day it was. I don't know, man. I, it's horrible, obviously. I, I don't, I haven't paid too much attention to it. I mean, it's just like another horrible thing. So, I, haven't, I don't yeah. think I have any views that aren't pretty much the common views on it. I don't have any, I don't think I have anything interesting to yeah, say. It's about not, it. all right, all right, fair enough. It's just freaking I, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if there's some political thing about it, but I just, you know, I'm sort of probably have like the boring view of it. That's horrible. Do you, have any, and, do, you have any, do you have any political thoughts? My wife wanted me to ask you some, but I can't even pronounce his last name about Pete Boot, Boutchig. I can't, I can't oh, pronounce his last name. Yeah, yeah, you, I know, you know what I, I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I like that dude. I like that dude a lot. I think oh. that dude is... Oh, uh, wow. You actually do know. I thought I would... No, no, no. I saw an interview with him. I saw an interview. I saw an interview with him and the guy's super sharp, super poised. 
very clear. When he explains something, he's super clear. And I also saw some Andrew Yang. I, I think some of his ideas are good, but there's something about him that seems a little like, I don't know, it seems a little gimmicky, Andrew Yang. He yeah. seems a little bit like yeah. it's a gimmick. Yeah. I feel like it's like yeah. this gimmick. Like he's got this one, he's like a one-note guy. He doesn't have like, it just seems like UBI, and this is why. And we give him the money, and everything's great. You know, it's sort of like, okay, but I'm not saying that's a bad idea. It just seems like, maybe you know, we'll hear more from him. I hope he's on this, the debate stage. You know, I hope all these people are. But this guy, you know, this, I don't know what the hell his name is, Booty Gag or something. He's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. He seems legit. That guy seems legit. I, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I thought Obama was legit in 2008. And what a, you know, what a fraud. You know, what a giveaway to all the banks and inequality is worse than ever. I mean, Obamacare, what a, what a farce that is. So, you know, I thought he was so legit in 2008. So what do I know? But, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of cool. I, I just, you know, it's Bernie and Tulsi Gabbard and Elizabeth Warren, who I think is toast because stupid uh, Native American ancestry thing she did, which was just moronic. She should have said, well, my family, there's always a legend that we are partly that. And who knows if, you know, I don't know what the real extent of it is. I don't want to dwell on that. You know, it's I'm just something that we always thought was kind of cool. What, you know, I don't know the exact amount. You know what I mean? She should not have tried to like go like actually like get tested and make that like a thing. Like she's just been like, you know, it's not important. She should have said, you know, she should have said it was something that we thought was cool. And that's really the end of it. But she, she went all in. And I think that's going to sink her. I don't think she's going to get out of that. She, I think she has good ideas. And then uh, Tulsi, who I know you like, uh, she, she has some tweet that was controversial or something recently too. If, if you do you still like her. Yeah, I, I like her a lot. I like her. I like okay. Bernie. I like Liz Warren. Well, like Liz Warren, like I know who she, like I know her, Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, I like, um, my, my good, that guy my Pete Buttigieg. I think Andrew yeah. Yang's ideas should be included. The only people I don't like, Cory Booker's pretty bad, but you know, he's like big pharma man and Silicon Valley man, but he actually has some good ideas too. The only one I really despise is Kamala Harris. I think she's the worst of the worst, just like that yeah. uh, careerist prosecutor, like putting people away and prosecuting poor people viciously. And I think she is, I don't think she's going to win. No way. So that's the only one that's different. Beto is just a joke. I mean, that guy's just. Oh, really? Empty, a total really? joke. Totally empty windbag. Like this guy's, he, he's like, he stands for nothing. He doesn't stand for anything. You got to stand for something. That was the problem with Hillary. She stood for nothing. She just stood for the past. She stood for the status quo. You got to stand for something. Not like let's all get along. You got to have specific ideas. You got you to stand for something. And I think the, whoever wins is going to be someone who stands for something. But I'll tell you what, the establishment uh, Democratic wing of the party would rather Trump win than someone like Bernie or Liz, Elizabeth Warren because they will actually dismantle some of it. I don't know if Elizabeth Warren really would, but I think Bernie would. Tulsi Gabbard would. The, the whole sort of military-industrial complex is at risk if one of those people gets elected. And I would bet anything that the, that the uh, DNC will sabotage them, even if they win. They'll do whatever they can to destroy them and smear them. And they, they would, uh, almost positive, would rather have Trump because at least their clients, the military-industrial complex and the banks, are okay under Trump. There's, there's no threat to them under Trump. They say all this stuff to rally the base about Trump, but I think when push comes to shove, Trump is vastly pre preferable to mainstream Democrats than an actual Democrat that would undermine their clients. And when I say their clients, I don't mean the voters. I mean the special interests to whom they cater. Yeah. Um, you know, Beto, he made, they kept it quiet or whatever, but he, he 
what, 6.1 million this first day. They, they, I they thought I read more, something that more more than Bernie. More I thought Bernie I read person. that 4.8 of that was money from his Texas campaign that he loaned to the Texas DNC that was given back to him. And they're not showing like who the donors are. I think it's a total fraud. Hillary did that too. Some okay. crazy like commingling of funds. I don't know exactly what the legality is on the campaign finance, but I don't think that's real. <laughs> I think that's okay. a yeah. basically a fraud. Right. That guy's not going to win. Don't don't put your money on him. And you know who's okay. definitely I- not going to win is Biden. Joe Biden has a 0% chance. Okay. I, um, yeah, and no, I know Bernie actually made like 10 million. Um, well, Bur- Bernie has real support. I, the Bernie though, and I, I've, you know, I follow Scott Adams on Twitter. His, his, his slogan is not, not me, us. And Scott Adams, like he writes books on persuasion. He's like, that is awful persuasion. If your first words you read are not me, that's a terrible, that's a terrible message. Yeah. He's yeah, trying to say, like, you know, it's not about me, it's about us. But it's like, say it a different way. Yeah. That's just, that's just horrible. Um, yeah, all I know also is uh, Corey Booker's dating Rosario Dawson, which I'm sure is very interesting to you. But uh, I will definitely pass on to my wife. The, the Pete seems legit. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anything. But he just, I, I, got a good, I got a good impression from the guy. He seemed very sharp and very clear-headed. But, the, you know, the thing is, like, Obama was very yeah. sharp and clear-headed. It's just his policy sucked, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it's, it's easy to, it's not easy, but it's to have the skill of charisma and being articulate and clear is not necessarily the same thing as being a good leader. So those are two different things. Good deal. Um, that's all I got for you, Liz. I'm glad that you uh, finally, uh, you actually kind of enjoyed the last two episodes of Succession. You gave me such a hard time on that. Uh, you know, the end of the last uh, Yahoo pod with, with P&L, we did a, TV draft. I'm curious, what are what what would be your top TV choice if you if you, what's your favorite show of all time? List. I mean, it's a little cliche, but you know, The Wire, The Sopranos, uh, Breaking Bad. Those would be probably the big three. Yeah. I'm trying to okay. think. I'm trying. I mean, what else went? When, what else got drafted in the first couple of rounds? Yeah, he he took Sopranos first, and I went Curb and Seinfeld because I mean, I'm just obsessed. Yeah. Well, I, Curb, I said Curb, Curb was good, but I wouldn't put a comedy as high. But yeah. I, I, you know, we, we should have separated the comedies, whatever, but I'd be disingenuous if I didn't say that, man. I just related. I mean, I like Eastbound and Down was pretty funny. Eastbound and Down was great. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, then The Wire and Breaking Bad. And and he took Mad Men pretty high and I, and I like Deadwood and I took Black Mirror. So, um, yeah. You took what? Deadwood and Black Mirror. Oh, Black Mirror. Yeah. Black Mirror is kind of hit and miss, but the, the good ones are really good. It, it drops off after the first few. I mean, there's not that many elite, elite ones. Yeah. The Americans yeah. was pretty yeah. good. Amer- the Americans deserves to be in like the top 10 for sure. Yeah. He, he, uh, one actually, I think he went number five, the white shadow. And it's a show I actually have never seen. I know Bill Simmons always talked about it, but you ever watch that old show? Yeah, I did. But I, I, I can't, I have no idea if it holds up. I don't think I've watched it since I was like a teenager. So I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea if it's, yeah, maybe it's good. I I can't say. All right, man. Good stuff. Uh, I think that uh, fulfills our requirement for the the pod. We missed a week, so did a supersized version. And uh, my um, my baseball teams are going to dominate yours this year. I think it's uh, that much is clear. If we've established one thing in this podcast. It's that much. Yeah, we'll see. I'm feeling pretty good about my uh, the first one I drafted with you, except for Severino, who took in the third round. The rest of the guys are all moving up the board. 
I keep seeing the guys I draft to get pushed out, which is a good feeling. I see that you double down, man. I, I got to say, I'm not taking Severino in round nine or ten or eleven or whatever. Like I, people say, it's a bargain or whatever, but it's all relative—a bargain. It's not a bargain if he's hurt all year. I mean, so he obviously could be a healthy Severino. I was going to pick, you know, to be what the number four, right there in that group one. So I love him, but right. I don't so know, man. I, maybe maybe I'm. More why would you not take than... that around nine in an overall contest? If he comes back in May, there's at least like a fifty percent chance he just comes back at, as scheduled. Uh, I mean, why wouldn't you, you take that? Is a, that's a great reason is it your overall contest that that's fair that's fair that's fine i mean 1700 bucks in your in your in, the, in your league is important i got you though overall contest then that that is a great great counter to, to what i'm saying is because of the overall that makes sense even in a non-overall though it's, it's like a fit i mean what do you think the chances are that he just comes back may 1st as scheduled and it's just himself it's like 50 percent you think it's 50 percent okay and you're still willing to take him there yeah maybe man he's Sounded like the, the quotes to me that that was even optimistic early May, but but again maybe you're right and uh, maybe it's uh, certainly with the with the overall that that makes more sense. But what, what percent would you put on it? Severino. What percent would you put on that he's back in early May? It doesn't have to be May first if it's May seventh. I mean, who cares? But what percent would you put on? I don't know when he's back if he's throwing a pitch. Then I don't know. I mean, fifty percent sounds fine, but I'm more concerned of how it's going to be. You know, what Severino we're going to get for five months. That's what, what I'm saying. I, I'm saying I'm, we get. I'm not. No, look, there's like a 90% chance he's back in some form in May, in early May. What I'm saying, not 90, but 75. I'm saying it's a 50% chance that we're getting Severino back. There's a 25% chance that he's just not back, that like there's a setback. And there's a 25% yeah. chance that he is back, but he's just like Bumgarner last year. He's like just not that good. But I think there's like okay. a 50% chance he just gets Severino. I mean, he's scheduled to be back. There's no structural damage. He's throwing. There hasn't been All- a setback in two weeks. All right. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get. Well, I mean, you got to put a number on it. You, I okay, mean, my what, what's my, he's fifty percent. He's Bumgarner. Twenty five percent. He's done. Twenty five percent. He's Severino. All right. Uh, that's a little okay. That's fair. I mean, I, I can see. I can see that. I can see that. All right. All right, man. On that note, we'll see what okay. happens. We'll see what happens. Dude. Yeah. yeah. Take it easy, man. All right, let's, later. Later. Let's.